With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. It is November 1st, 2020, the first full day of Daylight Savings Time, and it stinks. But the bright spot in an already dark day is Atlanta United defeated Cincinnati 2 to nothing on Sunday to stay alive in its chase for the playoffs for the fourth consecutive season. Uh, the goals were scored by Adam John in the eighth minute off a nice assist by Jurgen Dom, who's now the team's leader with four. And then in the 27th minute, after some nice work by John Gallagher to win a penalty from the lead-footed Kendall Waston, Marcelino Moreno stepped up and hit a penalty kick for his first goal for the team. We're going to go into the playoff situations in just a few minutes. But first, I want to introduce, as always, Jason Longshore of SoccerDownHere.net and 92.9 FM. Jason, what did you make of Atlanta United's performance tonight? You got the first goal, which was critical. Um, this team has won when they've scored the first goal, and they haven't won when they've conceded the first goal. It sounds really simplistic, but you get that early goal, it changes everything in the match. You know, you thought Cincinnati might start to open up a little bit. It took them a while to do that kind of strangely, but you were in control after that. You get the second goal, which puts you in even more control, and it was a, a solid performance. I mean, Cincinnati's not a great team. They haven't scored a whole lot of goals here lately, three goals in their last nine, but you took care of business against a team that you needed to take care of business against. You did get some other results that went your way tonight, and you've got a chance to play your way into the postseason. You've got to do it beating one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference next week on the road, but you have a shot on the final day to play your way in. Yeah, every result that Lady United needed uh, win its way tonight, which is kind of funny. It happened afterwards, too. Yeah, well, it's kind of funny because I, I wrote the other day that Lady United has kind of led a charm life in regard to results going its way uh, in its first few seasons. Uh, and it happened again tonight with Montreal, Miami, and D.C. United losing. Uh, the odd part about the last two is D.C. United had a 2 to nothing lead, uh, coughed it all up to trail 3-2, to two, came back to tie at 3-3, then lost 4-3. to three. Miami took a one nothing lead and then lost 2-1. to one. Uh, The winning goal by Toronto was just an extremely soft. I, mean, I still can't <laughs> believe it was called a penalty against Ben Sweat. Uh, it, it was well, a ridiculous penalty. Did yeah, Richie Larea did that to Atlanta last year at BMO Field. So now he does it and it helps Atlanta. So all is forgiven. It, uh, just 
So uh, the team snapped this whole bunch of sixes coming at you here. The team snapped its six game win streak. It scored multiple goals for just the sixth time this season. And it improved to 6 0 0 when it scores first and posted its sixth shutout. So a whole bunch of sixes for you. Um, Every win has been a clean sheet this season. That is just really strange. So looking at the table really quickly, uh, after tonight's results, I'm only going to go through the last, the relevant few. Montreal is in ninth with 23 points. Chicago is in 10th with 22 points, but has only played 21 games, so it has one game in hand on the rest of the field. Atlanta United has 22 points. Inter-Miami has 22 points, and D.C. United. I'm sorry, Inter-Miami has 21 points. D.C. United has 21 points. I'm bringing up points and not points per game because in the East, assuming that these last couple of games are going to get played on Wednesday, the points per game isn't going to matter. Uh, yeah, because everybody will have played the same number of t- games. I don't know if you can assume the Minnesota-Chicago game gets played. Minnesota right. – has had a couple of players test positive. If they have another positive, I don't think they play that match on Wednesday. And then it does come down to points per game. And it gets no, right now I'm assuming it's going to get played. Right, um, now it's scheduled. I just uh, – I'm, I'm iffy on it. I don't know. I don't know what happens. So, anyway, right now Atlanta United doesn't know it, if it controls its own fate until – the Chicago game at Minnesota on Wednesday is completed and based upon its result. But really, Chicago can win its next two games. If Montreal loses its finale against D.C. United, which is hard to imagine that would happen because uh, D.C. United could be playing for nothing, um, Atlanta United must only beat Columbus, which is easier to say than to do, uh, and it will qualify for the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching next week. I mean, D.C., Montreal, Miami, Atlanta um, all have opportunities to get in. Chicago will be part of that mix as well. And until we know what happens with the Chicago match on Wednesday and know the result from it or we know that it's not going to get played if that happens, then it's going to get really weird. Atlanta is in a position where, you know, if they lose, they won't go in. There is a very slight scenario where you draw, and if everything happens the way you need it, you can get in with a draw. Most likely you're going to need to win. D.C. and Montreal will both be playing for a win there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to be bonkers. Like, it's going to be a wild decision day on the bottom of the Eastern Conference. So, the uh, let's go back to Atlanta United for a little bit. Um, John Gallagher got the start at uh, kind of the left wing, left midfield. Uh, Ezekiel Barco apparently uh, sustained some sort of kick or knock or something uh, in that midweek loss to Orlando. Hadn't trained uh, between that game and Sunday. Uh, passed a late fitness test, the game day fitness test, to, to make the squad. But Gallagher came in, and as he has done in, I don't want to say all of his starts, but most of his starts, made a difference for Atlanta United. Who do you think is going to start – at Columbus, will it be Gallagher or will it be Barco? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on how Barco feels after playing today. I mean, he came out of that match against Orlando in the 71st minute, I, I think. It was right around the 70th minute. I think he got past it. 
And I didn't notice that there was an injury concern, but I did kind of wonder why that was the case at the time. Um, no training this week. He was able to, to give you minutes tonight. He looked okay. There was one time where he did get kicked off the ball and there was a lot of wincing and, and I was a little worried then, but a lot of it's going to depend on how he recovers. Um, Gallagher was good tonight. Gallagher gave you the honest effort that you expect out of him. He's much more of a, a north-south kind of player. Uh, Barco's more of a creator, and it's really going to depend on what you feel like you need in this match against Columbus. Yeah, it, I was really, frankly, surprised that uh, Glass put in Barco, um, knowing how important next week's game is and, and already having a two-to-nothing lead on Cincinnati uh, and just kind of how fragile Barco has been this season. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I think, yeah, well, I mean, I think it'll the, be Gallagher next week. Um, the team just seems I, to play better, more aggressively, I think, when he's on the field because of that north-south action. You, you yeah, about. a couple things. I mean, Dom can't play 90 minutes right now. He talked about that after the match. So, you know, you needed to bring on somebody for him. You could have brought on Mulraney. Um, goals are important right now. And they're, when you're talking about tiebreakers, and this could come down to tiebreakers, goal differential and goals are important. You put Barco on to see if you could find a third. You ultimately didn't. But I think that's why he came on. Um, I, I know how you feel when it comes down to, to Gallagher or Barco, and I know how you feel about Barco, so I'm not surprised. I think if Barco is 100%, he starts. Well, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, just bringing him on – knowing you got such a big game on Sunday and I assume that you want him to play, it surprised me that he was brought on tonight. That's neither here nor there. Um, who else impressed you tonight? Bellows' ball to Gallagher was a brilliant pass from a teenage left back who so often we see in those situations just, you know, would be told to whip a ball in and see what happens and throw it up there and see if John can go get across. Bello kept his head up, and it's savvy movement from Gallagher to get open, um, to drop off the line. But Bello makes a pass. He doesn't just put in a blind cross. He makes a pass to give Gallagher the opportunity to go 1v1 with Waston. That was, that was really smart from Bello. I liked his work all night. He had a good Escobar. pass to Barco in the second half also, that Barco yep. had a good shot uh, that was uh, finally saved. Uh, oh, Cincinnati's yeah, that was goalkeeper. an outstanding shot from Barco. Yeah. It was the outside yeah. of the right foot off the hop. Um, mm -hmm. Bello played really, really well. Um, I Let's see. Uh, Mo Adams' injury hurts you. Mo was really, really good over these last few games. I, I don't know what the injury is yet. I don't think there's any way the team will know anything with severity this soon. I couldn't tell if it was groin or hip or, or maybe quad, but it looked groin adductor area based upon where he was putting his hands. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was difficult to see because he's been so strong. Jeff Lerinowitz can come in and, and play in that moment. He was good tonight too, but Mo's been really dynamic and you'd like to have him for Sunday. If you don't know yet. Um, Moreno was the man of the match. Uh, Moreno was outstanding. I thought he bossed the game in the first half. Mm -hmm. Got a little tired as it went on, but when you're talking about a player who steps up to take the penalty when you need to, he's showing the leadership already with this team. Um, really good on the dribble. Again, won most of his dribbling duels. And he had four tackles. You know, I mean, he's not just an attacking player. He's going to drop in and defend, and he's going to 
lead the press when they need to press. Marcelino Moreno was outstanding tonight, and he's nowhere near 100% right now in terms of sharpness. Right. No, I thought, I thought he looked really, really good tonight. Um, he's not as fast as I thought he would be straight line based upon the things that Bocanegra was saying, but he might still be getting his game legs too. I thought Jurgen Dom was good. Um, what's interesting is that Lenny Nott had only created six chances tonight, um, which is you know probably maybe their season average. I'd have to go and look. Um, and they only had four shots on goal. Uh, but they, they took advantage of, of what they had to produce this win tonight. Um, they have game state too, though. You get the early goal, and yeah, yeah, no, like, they they did what they needed. Yeah, also you're playing a team in Cincinnati too, who eleven takes, goals this season. That's yeah, all they've scored. It takes forever. Right now, they've started to try to get forward more. Um, it takes them so many passes to get where they want to in the attack. It, it feels so convoluted at times. That it's like, okay, just keep your possession in your own half and do what you're doing because you're not hurting us. Have at it. Have fun. Yeah, and, you know, Madunian has a fantastic left foot, but he is just so immobile that I think it's hard for them to kind of get the ball going fast because he can't do it. I mean, he cannot bring the ball up. If they can figure out some way to – I don't know, some way to – Help They've got the up. players who can. That, that's the thing. It's, it's the system that Yopstam's running right now. You're not asking Madunian to bring the ball up. You're asking him to be the, the metronome in the, their possession game. You've got Makocho. You've got Frankie Amaya, who is a really good central midfielder. Totally overlooked because he plays for Cincinnati. Uh, Amaya's got a complete game in him. You just use Madunian in the way that Toronto's used Bradley, and you let Osorio and Delgado, and in this case for Cincinnati, it's Makocho and Amaya, you let them go. You let Lacadia and Jao go forward more. But it was so often it's, it's the outside backs would go up high and then Madunian and Makocho would kind of drop in to create a line of four in your possession. But all you can do is go side to side and you're, you're trying to create an opportunity for Madunian to hit a, a great pass over the top. And it's just – it felt like a lot of work to get to anything towards the final third for Cincinnati. And Atlanta was more than willing to let them put in all that work. Other than the final score, this might be the craziest stat I've seen in a long time. Madunian tonight created six chances. So that shows you've got a guy who's being aggressive, who's putting the ball into dangerous spots, and completed almost 95% of his passes. Yep. Um, Most of his – now, a couple things. Most of his passes were in his own half. He's been doing that lately. He's been completing 90 to 100 passes. But those chances, I'd love to go back and track them. I think – all of them, but maybe one, were off of set pieces where Cincinnati okay. was. That makes sense. Tonight. So let's stop talking about Harris Madunian because no one who's listening <laughs> to this podcast is going to care. It is the Harris Madunian show. <laughs> so based upon the way this team played tonight, we'll talk about the first half. We're not going to worry about the second half so much. The first half. Did it play well enough that it could defeat Columbus if Columbus is playing an average game? It's hard to compare because Cincinnati's not Columbus and you got a goal so early that it, it made it easier. Um, I'll take the last four games as a whole. Yeah, I think they can. If Columbus is playing an average game and they've been below average at times, although they're healthier now than they have been, it is possible. 
it, it is possible, but you're going to have to play your best game of the year. That's what it's going to come down to because you're going to need to create at least six chances, probably more like 10, like you did against Orlando. And you can't have the mistakes that you had late against Toronto, late against DC, and throughout the game against Toronto. You can't have those. So it's going to take a lot. It's doable, but it's going to take your best match of the season to get the result you need. So in case people are curious, Columbus will be playing for something. Um, it is currently tied with Orlando, uh, 38 points. Uh, they, they're playing each other, I think, midweek. Is that right? No. They, uh, who are they playing? I need to look it up. Oh, they play oh, the fourth. Yeah, they play the fourth. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, oh, that's a reschedule. That's right. Yeah. So they're playing for seeding. Um, and, and NYCFC is still sitting there at 36 points uh, just below. Uh, they don't want to lose their, their third or fourth spot. So Columbus could very well be playing for something important to it. Uh, so you're likely going to see a first-choice lineup for the crew uh, against Atlanta United. And that means Jossie Zardes. That means Darlington Nagby, uh, Mensa, uh, Santos, um, Zellerian, it's a, it's a good, good team. Not a deep team, but a very good team. It is. Um, if they get a win over Orlando in the midweek, if that's on Wednesday, uh, then it looks a little different. And maybe we're all pulling for Columbus on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't know who I'm going to be pulling for. i got to think about that a little bit. That's interesting. Because um, if they win, then they can't fall out of the top four. They won't go into – those first rounds. So, hmm. Right. I think about it. Yeah. Um, so what I, uh, what do you have upcoming this week, Jason? So we've got overreaction Monday, tomorrow, nine o'clock is when it starts. Uh, you can listen on our app for soccer down here, which you can download on Android or iOS. You can listen on soccer down here.net, or you can watch on Twitch, twitch.tv slash soccer down here. Uh, we'll talk a lot of this game. We'll talk a lot of the crazy playoff picture, kind of run into all of the different permutations of, of what can happen. And then tomorrow night at 7, it's soccer over there, which will be our European and South American and all the crazy stories from all over the world uh, recap show. And we'll be talking about your beloved Liverpool, and we'll be talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and trouble and the league, and it's just really strange. And We'll be talking about craziness from South America and all the fun stuff. So nine o'clock for soccer down here, seven o'clock for soccer over there. And the Galaxy have a lead on Real Salt Lake. Stop the presses. That's wild. Yeah, Colorado's about to beat Seattle. Uh, another crazy. That's result. also wild because Seattle was kind of back into the uh, supporter shield race a little bit. Yeah, that's probably my least favorite place to watch a game is Dick Sporting Goods. Well, one of my least favorite Dick Sporting Goods Park in Colorado. I like the broadcast booth there. Uh, in the, the stadium, ones. it's an interesting place. And the only reason I say it's one of my least favorite is you're very, very high up. The way they yeah. built the workstations, uh, the workstations are very high compared to the seats. So when you raise your laptop screen to start working, you can no longer see the field because of the <laughs> angle. It's just like if anyone would have asked, the journalist would say, lower the desks just a little bit 
or do something different because this does not work. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Sounds like our thoughts about Audi Field from a radio position. Yeah, yeah, no, that's also a disaster. Uh, it's a, not great for print guys or online guys either because I think they fixed this. When the sun comes through the other side of the, of the uh, stadium, it uh, basically melts your laptop. Uh, <laughs> it makes it literally, it makes it so hot you can't even touch the thing. And you, have, you can't see the field. There's such a glare. It's crazy. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, all right. Atlanta United, two to nothing withers over FC Cincinnati, the fighting Yopstoms, who are pretty much going to finish with the fewest points in Major League Soccer this season. Uh, they are a lock on that tonight now, uh, only behind Houston Dynamo with uh, Tab Ramos, who I've never been a big fan of, uh, but got dealt a bad hand this year with Albert Felice's cell. Uh, D.C. United, 21 points. The Galaxy, 21 points. Miami, 21 points. Cincinnati is the lock for the worst team in Major League Soccer. Uh, it gets the – what do you give the worst team in Major League Soccer for the second consecutive year? Well, it's a wooden spoon when you're the last place team. If you win it back-to-back, I don't know what it turns into. Do you get the bowl, too? Yeah, I guess. I guess you get the wooden bowl to go with the wooden spoon. <laughs> there you go. All right. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Uh, some of you have started to notice that most of my stories are now behind a subscription uh, wall uh, with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I hope that you will consider subscribing. If you need help in doing so, please reach out to me. My email is on the bottom of most stories that I write, or you can direct message me on Twitter, and I will help you through it. Um, please, if you haven't already done so, go and vote. It, this is a arguably the most pivotal election in the history of our democracy. Um, so just exercise your right to vote, please. And I hope you and your loved ones are safe amid uh, COVID. Be careful, wear your masks, and take care. This is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.